Howdy, friends. Listen, before we jump in, check this out. We've got some exciting news. As you know, Peter and I work for Bottle Rocket, and we would love for you to join our team. Listen, we're a work-from-wherever company, and we're self-managed vacation. Not to mention, you get to work with great people. Take, for example, Peter and I. It sounds great, right? So if you are ready to do the best work of your life, and join an extraordinary team. Hit the link in the show notes to see our current open positions and apply today. Welcome back to Liftoff by Bottle Rocket. I am Tony Dosat. And I am Peter Clayman. <laughs> I'm just going to be transparent. We had to do that twice because I kept yeah. messing up. <laughs> anyway, our guest today, this is exciting is Brian Clayton. He's the CEO and co-founder of GreenPal. It's an online marketplace that connects homeowners with local lawn care professionals. GreenPal has been called the Uber for lawn care by Entrepreneur Magazine and has over 200,000 active users and doing 20 mil a year in sales. That's not all. So um, before this, he founded Peachtree, um, which was one of the largest landscaping companies in the state of Tennessee here in America, growing to over $10 million a year in annual revenue before it was acquired by Lusa Holdings in 2013. So, Brian, thanks so much for joining us today. This is cool. Tony and Peter, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. Let's get into it. Did you ever think that you'd be here today after starting as a high schooler doing a push lawnmower? You know, uh, yes and no. You know, oh. I always had a chip on my shoulder, always wanted to do something worthwhile with my life. And I kind of saw business as the lane to make something of myself. And so on the one hand, yes, that's why I started a business. That's why I, I've stuck with business for 22 years. But on the other hand, you know, uh, some days I, I, I wake up and I pinch myself. So it's like your business can be the thing that takes you places in life that you otherwise may never have gotten to. And so for me, that's what my businesses have always been. They've been kind of like my vehicle to, to level up, my vehicle to improve my station in life, and also my vehicle to like evolve as a person, you know, to become a better, smarter, more humble, wiser human being. My businesses are the thing that, that that's done that for me. I have a question, which is, you know, as we talk about your current business, can you just give us a quick overview for our listeners, kind of describe how you describe your own business. And then we'll talk a little bit about some of the market trends that you're really close to these days. Yeah. So GreenPal in a sentence is kind of like the Uber, but for lawn mowing. So if you're a homeowner, you've got this chore you need to get done. You need to get your grass cut rather than getting on Craigslist or Yelp or Facebook or asking friends for recommendations. You just download our app, pop your address in, you'll get four or five quotes back in a minute. You can read reviews, hire the contractor you want to work with. They come out, take care of the service for you. And if you like how it went, you can just push a button and book them for the whole season. And it just kind of happens like magic in the background. So you set it and forget it. You don't have to worry about it. As a, as a lawn mowing contractor, it's an operating system for you to run your entire business. So a way for you to get connected with new clients, organize all of your route, get paid quickly, uh, marketing automation, kind of everything in one box for you to run your little lawn mowing business. Been at this thing for nine years, so we're a nine-year overnight success. I started out really humbly, really, really challenging the first few years getting this marketplace going for, for several reasons, and we can get into that. Uh, but now we've got a few hundred thousand people using the app. 
we're profitable, self-funded, no outside capital, and and doing over twenty million a year in revenue. So it's been a it's like I said a nine year overnight success, but but now it's starting to get fun. As a marketplace, right? You because we look out in the world today and we see some of the stock market valuations, we see these mega tech giants, and we don't think that a lot of people get to participate in those organizations for their valuation in proportion to the number of employees they have is pretty low. I kind of see you on the other side of the spectrum, right? Are you making it possible to have your own local businesses? Are you Do you see yourself as empowering local businesses? Do you think the marketplace is a platform for empowering local businesses? Yes, that's, that's, what, that's what we are. We're an organization of small, solo business owners in the lawn mowing space. So we power your Peter in a pickup molly and a mower chuck and a truck type of small business owners maybe like your firemen your school teachers your bartenders that need an extra way to make like a thousand dollars a week and they thought about maybe getting into the lawn mowing business we reduce the barriers to entry uh so much so that all you gotta do is just go out and buy a push mower and you, you download our app get plugged in you're in the lawn mowing business you'll get all the customers that you want you can get quickly hired quickly paid and all everything from bookkeeping to schedule to upselling, to all these things that, you know, none of us are born to know how to do, our app helps uh, take care of for the lawn care service operator. So if you're running like a big company, kind of like I had a landscaping company before this and, and it ultimately grew, it's like 150 employees. If you're, if you're running a huge landscaping company, GreenPal's not a good fit. GreenPal is kind of like your bane because because we empower the smaller guys, maybe even your employees that might want to go start their own business and leave your big business. We see a lot of that. That's really why we exist. That's that's my purpose is to help these folks get access to business ownership and grow their business on top of our platform. And so we've got a little Facebook group where, where we invite these guys and gals into and and they share stories like, hey, thank you, Green Pile is able to buy a new truck or a new trailer or this mower I can I can ride all day rather than walk than having to push a mower or I was able to put a kid through school, down payment on a house, you name it. Like that's why we exist. That's that's really our purpose and my purpose as the founder. I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs have a moment where a light bulb goes off, but it ends up being a three-year light bulb, right? And then their first idea sucks. Their second idea is all right. Their third idea is the one that turns into what this is. Was it like that or was it a sudden thing that happened? It's, it's always helpful to when you're starting a new product, when you're building a new product, inventing something brand new that does not yet exist. There's no roadmap, but it can be helpful to be solving your own problem. And so, when I started GreenPal, I didn't know how to code, didn't know how to build software, neither did my co-founders. We didn't have any of that, but at least I had 15 years of experience in the landscaping business. I started cutting grass in high school as a way, way to make extra cash, and grew that into one of the largest landscaping businesses in, in the Southeast, ultimately like 150 people, 10 million a year in revenue, and sold that company. And so that 15-year like journey, I saw everything that was broken with the residential lawn mowing business. And so... On the one hand, yeah, I would have loved to have had it in hypothetically in 1996 when I started, although the internet didn't really exist then. But, right. but uh, so I was kind of solving my problem from that standpoint. But where I was really solving my own problem was I saw it every day as my company grew. Um, we no longer did residential services. Uh, they just weren't profitable for us. You know, we were sending out like 90 trucks every day. And, and so like your, your $32 basic lawn mowing, it was unprofitable for us to send a crew of three guys to go knock that out. We were doing big things like office parks, airports, shopping centers, apartments, things of that sort. 
But because we had a vis- visible brand in, in our little mo- local market in Nashville, people would still call us every day. Some days as many as like 50 or 100 phone calls. Will you come cut my grass? I can't get anybody to come call me back. And so what we would do is like one of the values we had of, of running that company and, and in my current company is to always be helpful, to add value uh, at, by default and to always try to add value than you, than you ask. And so we would always refer uh, four or five names. We had kept a list of names and numbers by the phone. And then so we this oh, well, thank you very much. And then those people would call us back and they would say, hey, I called all those people and none of them called me back. One guy promised to give me a quote. He wouldn't. Do you have any other names and numbers? So it was like this endless like loop of like no good deed goes unpunished. And, and so it was like seeing that every day I knew that this needed to exist because there was like demand. Homeowners just needed a reliable contractor, but they couldn't find and discover and quickly hire the the, the good fit small solo entrepreneur for for their needs. And so set out to build this marketplace that connects this, this demand with the supply. And so on paper, it seems like a, a really straightforward thing, really easy idea, easy to execute. Uh, but but it was almost kind of like in the early days, it was naivete as, a, as an asset because we really didn't know what we didn't know. And one of those things was is when you're inventing something brand new from scratch, it's like there's no roadmap and you're just kind of tr- like trialing and airing your way through through this, this journey and going from one failure to the next mm. without a loss of enthusiasm is how we got through the first two or three years and figured out how to architect the marketplace to where buyers and sellers would use it and keep using it. The, you know, I just saw a post on one of the social media platforms that I tend to waste time on. And um, there's a lot of, you know, your uh, Gary Vaynerchuks. There's a lot of people that are the hustle mentality, the grind mentality with startups. And then I saw this post and it said, that we should be promoting more of you can still be an entrepreneur and not devote your entire existence to it and lose sleep over it and all this. But I don't know how that exists. I've done the startup thing before and it actually was like blood, sweat, and tears. Well, there are your your outliers. There's your overnight successes, one in a hundred, maybe one in a thousand that make it seemingly yeah. look like they yeah. didn't have to grind their face off. But my experience, you know, 22 years, two, two businesses is that it's, you're going to have to run hard for a very long time to, to get something going from scratch, to get from that zero to one. Like I don't have anything. Now I have something is just, is a lot of work and it's a lot of hours. And here's why in the early days, you're doing three things at once. You're working in the business so that means you're doing whatever it is. If you're selling design services, you're on, you're in Photoshop, you're in Figma, uh, you're working on the business, you're developing the systems, processes, the marketing system, the operation system, the customer service system, like all of these processes. So you're, you're trying to like maybe 90% of your time is in the business, 10% of your time is on the business. And then the third thing is you're working on yourself. You, you yourself do not have the skills you need to do this. I know I didn't. And so it's like, if you're, if you're going to try to make it as an entrepreneur, especially a first time one, your car is going to be a classroom, mm. a mobile classroom. Your living room is going to become a classroom. There just simply isn't enough hours in the week 
for you to do all three of these things. It's, it's in the business, on the business, and working on yourself. It's, it's listening to podcasts like this one. It's watching stuff on YouTube, going to YouTube University and like watching some tutorial on some latest trend and trying to learn that. It's, it's watching a conference that you couldn't afford to go to, but it's a year old now on YouTube and they got the whole damn conference that costs five grand to go to and it's on YouTube. It's only a year old. You need to be watching that. So like there's all this stuff like that you need to be learning and absorbing so you can then apply it to how you're executing. And man, like I just don't, I don't see the balance in it. I don't like this ride isn't for everybody. And the reality is, is like if, if you're not by default, like, like yearning to do that, then maybe like the entrepreneur life is not for you. It's not for everybody. And you know, Mark Cuban says, uh, if you have to ask, should I be an entrepreneur? The answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's just, that's just the reality of it. And then I'll, I'll drop one more quote and then I'll shut up. Uh, like Sean, Sean Parker, founder of Napster says like starting a company, starting a startup from scratch is like, is like chewing glass. And eventually you come to love the taste of your own blood. So that's, that's how I would characterize it. The first five years of a startup. That's, that's been my experience. <laughs> it's so funny. We had a guest, uh, Simon Severino, who talked quite a bit about working on your business versus working in your business. But I love that third dimension of working on yourself because you have to grow as a person throughout this journey because there's going to be things you're tested to do that you never thought you were going to have to do in a million years. As we all experience in our day-to-day working life, but the frequency, intensity, and duration as an entrepreneur is different because you are all the jobs That's right. until you find someone else to be one of the jobs. And then you can have one of your eight jobs taken away and you'll get two more because it exactly. doesn't actually, it's non-linear. Exactly. You got to be 80, 20 good at all these things. Leadership, management, bookkeeping, marketing, accounting, legal, HR, customer service, product design, all these things you got to be 80, 20 good at. Like the way I liken it is like back in the day, Super Mario Kart, you had like five drivers. You had Toad, Princess, uh, <laughs> Bowser, Mario, Luigi, and like all these drivers were really good at one thing. Like Princess was like really fast off the line. Toad handled really well. Bowser was actually the top end fastest driver in the game. But you also had Mario who was kind of half-ass good at everything. And while like if you were an experienced operator of this game, like you didn't ever want to like high, you didn't ever like drive a Mario because he, like he wasn't the best. But if you were just getting started, like Mario was the guy because he was pretty good at everything. And so you kind of need to be Mario in business in the early days, the first three years before you can begin to delegate these things to better operators. And, and so that's how I like make sense of it. Like you gotta be, you gotta be Mario good at, at all, like 10 things, whatever those are. I think, you know, we're going to get philosophical for a second here, oh. but you built two businesses that are, you know, one of them is definitively digitally enabled, but both physical delivery of services, whether you're delivering it, or it's delivered on behalf of other businesses that use your services to find customers, build those customers. And they've been multi-million dollar businesses. If we look at the spirit of America, right? This idealism of America, the, the global regard of the American dream, it's this concept of coming here, building something from scratch that ekes out an existence and allows you to prosper and thrive. And I think if you go at least historically, have gone to many foreign countries. That was the image of America that was known globally. As an entrepreneur that's been through the grind multiple times, do you feel like that spirit is still alive and well? Or are there things that we need to change and refine to make it even stronger than it might have been in the past? My personal belief is that it's stronger than ever. And here's why. Is it more competitive than ever? Yes. But 
we have access at our fingertips to learn anything we got to learn. There simply is no excuse. And, and so it's like, well, I can't do this $10 million thing. Well, do the, do the $100,000 thing. Start small and execute, and that snowball will begin to build up. And in America, I, you know, I've, I've traveled, I've probably seen, I don't know, 40 or 50 countries, and you see it. When you go to Latin America, you see a sea of people who don't have access to business ownership, and they are stuck. And in America, we all have access to business ownership. Anybody can go start a lawn mowing business. Anybody can go start a house cleaning business. Run that for five years, put 100K in the bank, and then go raise money for a bigger business or, or get in the real estate or whatever. I mean, any able-bodied person can do that. And so, and I see it every day with, with Green Pal. I, you know, I, people are like, you know, I didn't graduate high school. I, I you know, got laid off from my, from my job and I, I literally was about to be foreclosed on and thank God I downloaded your app because it helped me get over the hump of getting into my own little lawn mowing business. And now I'm making 120 grand a year and I've never made that much money in my entire life. This is amazing. And so I think it's a very much alive and well. I think if you look at the if you look at the the at any thriving community, small businesses are winning, and and I think it's like, I think it's the backbone of our country, and I and I think it's better than ever, and I think the opportunities are bigger than ever, and you know it's and it's easier than ever. When I was starting my landscaping company in the '90s, it's a lot harder than it is today. You know, there's better ways to reach your clients. There's better ways to market your business. There's better ways to run your business. You know, back in the day, you used to have to like keep up with receipts and like bean count all this stuff now it all just magically happens it's so much it's so much better to today than it was 20 something years ago and so I, I believe that and I see it every day running our business and it's really our purpose is to why we run the green pal platforms to help these folks get into business and grow their business and make material income I felt that <laughs> I was like sitting here going <laughs> yeah I'm gonna go start a business real quick I do have one more question for you before we get into the lightning round when you see these big players, TaskRabbit, Thumbtack, Angie's List, right? It feels like to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, you niche down. And is it true? Like the riches in the niches, <laughs> what they say, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Was that intentional or do you have a vision to go try to fight these Goliaths and boil the ocean? Yeah, I didn't have any interest in going head to head and, and like a red ocean strategy, trying to outcompete somebody who was established because one, I didn't want, I didn't want to raise a bunch of money. Like our business is self-funded, which is, which is r really rare for, for tech startups and even more so rare for marketplaces yeah. because usually marketplaces burn and destroy a bunch of capital to get going. And we've bootstrapped this thing from day one. So, so I knew we had to kind of go like blue ocean strategy into a direction that, and, and that, that did not yet exist and, and kind of the white space, if you will, and, and try to like figure out a, a new user behavior and, and one that was not competitive, but we had to kind of make it up as we went. And so like, there's no shortage when it, when you need to find a lawn care service, or a home cleaner or, or a roofer or a painter, there is no shortage of static repositories of names and phone numbers. You can go on Facebook, you can go on Yelp, you can go on Thumbtack, Angie's List, Home Advisor, Google, and get a list of names and phone numbers really quickly. But you as the homeowner, as the, as a consumer, you still have to poll these people. You still got to call them. You still got to like 
maybe if you're on Facebook groups, you can shoot them a, a DM. You still got to figure out their availability, their pricing. Are they any good or not? Um, will they do what they say they're going to do? What do other people have to say about them? You have to like manually do all this. Our solution is the only solution in existence that's an end-to-end -end solution that quickly enables the homeowner to get quotes instantly, read reviews, and hire the contractor they want to work with, and then they actually show up because we've built out the entire set of, 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 uh, of, of dependencies and accountability for that contractor to show up on the day they're supposed to. That's actually the biggest problem we solve. When we first started, we thought we started in Nashville, Tennessee, and, and, and we passed out a bunch of door hangers all over Nashville to get the word out about this thing. And, and uh, the first place we went was like the ritzy parts of town because I thought that was our, our customer. And what we, what we came to find out over time was, no, it's the working class part of town that doesn't really get that white glove service from contractors. That's who our customer is because the reality is the, the, they're, they're getting stood up. They're getting ghosted. And we solved that problem of the deliverability and the accountability for the homeowner to get that seamless, consistent experience week in and week out. And, uh, you know, it was just something that we figured out along the way just, just through trial and error. And, and that's the only way you can figure out one of these things. If you're going to go blue, blue ocean strategy, you just kind of have to iterate your way there. There is so much to unpack from that. And I think the biggest takeaway for everybody is that's a very simple brand promise. Someone will show up when you hire them. That's right. But to enable that brand promise, I cannot begin to explain to all of our listeners how complicated the backend systems, the scheduling, all of the invoicing, the processing, all of that needs to be done without the consumer ever seeing that. So when you make Invisible. a quote and you make a request and you want to find a time, you're not understanding the fact you're interfacing with multiple businesses on the back end to make sure their schedules are up to date so they actually can fulfill on that core promise. Exactly. And, and the only way we figured out how to do it was hand cranking it. You know, in the, you know, we have hundreds of thousands of users today and we get less like user support tickets, customer support tickets than we did when we had like 500. Uh, but in the early days, it was hand cranking. We were figuring out all of these problems and building the systems to solve them. So to your point, there's, there's, there's a thousand things that can go wrong between you hiring a contractor and them coming out and doing the lawn. It rained that day. Their equipment broke down. The grass was taller than they thought. They looked at it on Google Earth, but the the, mat, the lot lines weren't correct. It's actually bigger, so the price doesn't hold up. Um, they their their kid was sick. Their lawnmower broke down. Um, they came in and got the house number wrong on the house and mowed the wrong damn house. <laughs> they let the dog out. The dog is all over the neighborhood. What happened? They threw a rock. It broke the wind. Like you name it. There's a thousand things. And so it's like, how do we solve all the, every one of these little things um, through technology? And it's taken us almost a decade to do it. So Brian, next section here, because we have to move to a wrap and I'm sure we have so much more to talk about is the lightning round. So we're going to ask you a series of questions and one word answer. We're going to leave it right there. We're not going to unpack it. I know there's a bunch, but people will reach out to you and, you know, ask you to unpack what you mean by everything. So Tony, I will lead us off and then yeah. you take us away, okay? What, one word answer, that's yeah. it? One word answer. I mean, you know, sometimes it could be a two if it really needs to be a two, but that's uh, where we're leaving it. it. This, this okay, you ready? Yeah. So, Brian, uh, you mentioned early on that you knew for a long time that you were going to make some type of business, but you didn't know from where, right? You had that drive. What do you think the source of that drive and that inspiration was? I've, uh, God, in one word is uh, there, there was, there was like an unsettled score. Almost. I felt like I was capable of great things and my business was the thing. 
That's it. <laughs> See, the one word's hard, huh? Okay. It's hard. It's hard. I need to get a th- th- source out. <laughs> uh, okay, so here's mine. What trait is the most important to possess in abundance? Oh, wow. In abundance? Yeah. Um, diligence. Mm. Because when things are abundant, like if, if, if I didn't get fat, I would never work out. You know, if I if if I didn't have like am, am, ambition and and goals, I would never like put in the work. So it's like, yeah, yeah, diligence. And I think I think diligence can be a, a superpower. Consistency is another word. Speaking of superpower, just to do one more here, what's your kryptonite? Oh, my kryptonite, um, FOMO. It's mm, a big one. Yeah, FOMO. Because because if you start a business, it's gonna be a lot of FOMO. A lot of Saturdays, a lot of Sundays, a lot of parties, a lot of family time missed. Car you want, you can't drive. A lot of FOMO. Mm. A lot, lot of trade-offs. What a lightning round. This was a heavy lightning round. <laughs> <laughs> so You asked for it. You brought the thunder. <laughs> and so, um, of course, we have one last question, but we ask all of our guests, for those who want to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah. So anybody listening to this doesn't want to mow your yard, just download Green Pal in the App Store or Play Store. Anybody wants to hit me up, I put all of my time in Instagram. So just shop, shoot me a follow and a DM there, Brian M. Clayton. Sweet. And this last okay. question, you can say more than one word. Okay. <laughs> so here's the question. What non-digital object or thing that you own or possess means the most to you or has impacted your life the most and why? Uh, so I, another way I like to phrase this is like if your house was burning down and yep. you could go in and like grab one thing Yep. Um, before like, you know, pets and family members and whatnot. So, okay. Um, for me, it's a, it's a, my dad is a woodworker and it's a wooden box and it's a sealed wooden box that he made by hand and he filled it up with brand new pennies. And it's fifty dollars of pennies, and he gave this to me for my birthday a couple, man, maybe about five years ago. And he said, "Here, here this is fifty dollars of pennies in here, and so if you ever need it, you're gonna have to bust the box open. But there, inside, there's a note that will help you get through that situation should you ever have to break open this box. So that's one of my most important keepsakes. Oh, I love it. And box been empty for years. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'll ever break it up. But you don't know what the note says. says. No, no, no. He just says it's words that will help me get through. If I'm down to my last 50 bucks, it's words that will help Oh, I love me. that. Whoa, <laughs> what a cool way to end. Thanks, that's a Dad. great gift yeah, for that's anybody a great yeah, who it's... wants to have big impact. Yeah. Brian, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure. And look... I need to get my lawn mowed. I got HOA. I'm going to get this app. (laughs) What do I have an app for you, Tony? Right. Thanks again. (laughs) Thanks, guys.